This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. Breaking news regarding John Morant and the suspension. 25 game suspension to start next season. There will be conditions to his return. It feels like another slap on the wrist for John Morant. I'm really disappointed that Adam Silver did not decide to take a little bit of a stand on this. This has been extraordinarily penal mm-hmm. to Ja from a financial standpoint. It might even be closer to $60 million, not to mention potential lost business with sponsorships. 25 games is the number for John Morant. That suspension being handed down by the commissioner of the NBA, Adam Silver, earlier today. Cantia Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Gabe Nitesel, along with Courtney Cronin, as we fill in for the guys today. And to help us break down the news of the day, again, that suspension for John Morant, we welcome in to Michael Cole, Memphis Grizzlies reporter for the Commercial Appeal. DeMichael, when you heard it was 25 games, did that sound about right to you, or were you expecting more? Uh, that that sounded about right to me, and quite frankly, I know a lot of people were expecting more, but I was kind of stuck on the 19 to 20 range uh, around there. Uh, that's kind of what I expected. So, I mean, as wild as it sounds, it seems like some people feel like he got the short end of the stick here, but... Uh, I'm just looking at the president, just the history of the NBA. We're talking, this is one of the 10 longest suspensions issued in NBA history. Like, this is, this is, this is not, you know, a slap on the wrist uh, by any means. I mean, this is one of the 10 longest suspensions in NBA history. And on top of that, uh, it's the fact that Adam Silver repeatedly over the last couple of weeks has said that uh, basketball will take a back seat and it sound, sounded like, and even when they released the statement, the NBA released its statement, it's always sounded like uh, getting John Morant help, uh, getting him in programs, kind of advising him through this situation would be the primary goal. And that led me to, be, to believe, sure, they'll suspend him, uh, take some money out of his pocket and whatnot and, and discipline him, but the primary goal is to get him help. So I think that's what they wanted to accomplish with this suspension more so than hammering him for 40 games or whatever the case may be. One of the more recent big suspensions was Miles Bridges, the 30 games he got for yeah. the domestic violence situation, which there was you know, actual laws broken that. I know people are going to look at the John Morant situation and say he didn't break any laws, but it's obviously in the court of public opinion and the perception not a great look for him. I'm curious from like the Memphis standpoint, we haven't heard too much about like the team and the impact that it's had on them throughout this whole process. What what are you hearing just about like the way that the team is receiving this and how internally they're going to try to help John Morant get back on track? Yeah, uh he's got their support. Uh from 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 what I've heard. It's it's, you know, it's a young team just from the player standpoint. Uh, you got guys like Jaren, you know, saying, hey, you know, I, I stand with Ja, you know, 100%. Of course, there's, you know, the the part where you, you, as a teammate, you you know you, one of your main players is going to miss 25 games. There's the competitive standpoint, like, you know, come on. Like, we, we, we're trying to get this championship, man. Like, we, we need you uh, to, to, to turn to, to flip that switch. But at the same time, you uh, Publicly, you're not going to hear them say those things. Uh, they're, they're supporting John Morant. They're standing behind him. Uh, we saw it after the first suspension. It was a lot of the pretty much the same things being said in public. 
just they feel like John Morant can turn the corner. Uh, the Grizzlies as an organization feels like John Morant uh, can turn the corner. At this point, it's solely on John Morant, you know, because he, he says the right things. He said, I mean, you couldn't have drawn up his exit interviews and uh, after game six loss against the Lakers, you couldn't have drawn up those interviews any better from a PR perspective. Uh, he said everything that you needed to hear for someone who was going to go into the offseason and improve off of the court. And then uh, that situation happened on May 13th, and we found out on May 14th. So it's pretty much up to Jai at this point. Talking with Michael Cole, Memphis Grizzlies reporter for the Commercial Appeal. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, ESPN app. I'm Gabe Neitzel along with Courtney Cronin. Whenever there are issues within a team, there's always a team leader that steps up, and that's who people want to hear from next time there happens to be media availability, the person that may be holding teammates accountable. Who is that person with the Memphis Grizzlies? Uh, you'll you'll probably be surprised by this, but it's, it's Desmond Bain. He's a young guy, right? Uh, I think this is going to be year four uh, coming up for Desmond Bain in the NBA. But he's kind of an old soul. You know, he's a guy who's who's kind of stepped into that leadership role. Uh, he's, he's kind of become that player. In the past, it, it was Dylan Brooks, the player they were referred to as the heart and soul of the Grizzlies. And kind of uh, at the Grizzlies' exit interviews, you, you heard the general manager kind of allude to Desmond Bain kind of being – the heart and soul of the Grizzlies from a leadership standpoint. But he says the right things. Uh, he handles himself well, you know, with the media. He handles himself well with the team. He's like this even kill type guy. Uh, sometimes talking to him, if, if you didn't know during the game, you wouldn't be able to tell if he shot 5 of 18 or if he shot 12 for 18 uh, after the game. Very even kill mindset. Whereas uh, with a lot of players, you know, they're very up, down, all over the place, which is, you know, natural emotions as competitors. But uh, Desmond Bain is a guy who, who really gets it. He gets what comes with this. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. is another, but uh, I, would, I, would, I would lean uh, that Desmond Bain is that voice because it's more natural for him. Uh, Jaron is more of a face. You know, he's your guy who's the MBPA vice president. You know, he, he, he's, son, he's the son of an NBA player. He's the... Uh, He's the son of his mother works, you know, in the uh, WNBPA. Uh, so uh, he kind of knows how things work, whereas opposed with Desmond Bain, he's kind of become one of those big voices who can hold guys accountable in the locker room. DeMichael, one thing that I don't know if we know enough about is the makeup of this team from an internal perspective because – Ja may be the face of the Memphis Grizzlies, and you just mentioned, you know, two others who might have had a bigger role in, like, the leadership aspect. But, like, I don't know how – like, how is this affecting this suspension and, of course, you know, all of the, the drama this caused over the last couple of months? How is this affecting this team? Like, is this a close-knit group? Are these guys who are kind of, you know, off doing their own thing? And, and do you get the sense that maybe – it, it is a more separated locker room from, from being in and out of that locker room throughout the season. How would you describe mm-hmm. the, the group, like themselves and the chemistry that they have? It's a tight group. I mean, it's a fun group, like it's a loose group. Uh, this is a different team, you know, uh, from a lot of locker rooms that, that I've been in. A lot of locker rooms, I kind of get more of a business, you know, type of energy. Like, hey, we're here, we're here to do this job. We're gonna have some fun in between, but you know we're gonna we're gonna you know uh, take care of business with the Grizzlies. 
uh, it's it's more of like, man, let's let's have fun doing this. They're, they're young, they're loose, uh, they're very hip hop centric, you know, uh, culturally and things like that. Uh, so it's a it's a very different locker room, and how that you know proceeds to to the way that uh, things are handled from the discipline standpoint. At times, uh, people like me, I know there have been some others as well, who've kind of come out and said things like, uh, you wonder if there was accountability uh, there because they, they they were doing so many good things. Two seasons ago, the Grizzlies uh, were an eight seed, and then, boom, they shot up and won 56 games, became a number two seed, and it was just you know a miraculous run. And then this past season, another 50-plus win season, but then, you know, adversity started to hit, and it was like, okay, who's going to be those voices, as y'all alluded to earlier? Who's going to be that locker room guy who's going to hold guys accountable? And that answer wasn't always clear because once upon a time, earlier this season, uh, when we asked those questions, the Grizzlies would say, oh, well, you know, we kind of have a leadership by committee type thing. Steven Adams will lead one day, and it'll be – Dylan Brooks one day, and it'll be Desmond Bain one day, Ja Morant the next day. But then when everything happened with Ja, it was like, this by committee thing isn't going to work. You need someone who's going to stand up and say, look, man, let's get this together. And by all accounts, the team wants Ja to be that leader. Ja has the respect of all those guys. Uh, he has that, that guys don't get in the way, you know, like there are no uh, personalities, uh, egos as it, as it pertains to Ja and, and what he has done for the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, when it's Ja's time late in the fourth quarter, there's no one trying to take the ball from him. Uh, those guys enjoy playing with Ja. They enjoy, you know, his leadership. When he says those sound bites, you know, we're not ducking any smoke, we're fine in the West. His teammates say, yeah, we feel the exact same way. But Ja's going to say it out loud. So he's kind of like a, he was kind of a spokesman in a way. But uh, they're a very tight-knit group, and I don't expect that to change because it's just it's a bunch of young guys who are kind of figuring out this NBA thing together. You know, you don't have a lot of those 32-, 33-year-old vets in Memphis who are kind of showing you the ropes. To Michael, we appreciate the time, appreciate the insight into everything going on with the Memphis Grizzlies after the 25-game suspension was handed out to John Morant today. Okay, no problem, guys. Take care. To Michael Cole, Memphis Grizzlies reporter for the Commercial Appeal, joining us here on Canty and Carlin, which is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. I don't know if they're just trolling you back in Bristol, Courtney. She's Courtney Cronin. I'm Gabe Nigel. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app. But you cover the Chicago Bears for ESPN.com. And you just wrapped up OTAs, mandatory minicamps, it's all done. You don't have to worry about the Chicago Bears until they have to report to minicamp, or excuse me, report to training camp. And it's all coming up very quickly. And every Uh, time we've heard 83 days today, I've seen you had like a visceral physical reaction. I love football. I wouldn't be working in this if I did not love it. I need a break. We all need a break. (laughs) Because, I mean, oh. This rejoin that we keep playing, like, you know, I appreciate the production, high-quality production. Shout out to everybody in Bristol who put that together. But it's, like, it's okay to have a break in the sports calendar. I know on Sports Talk Radio we absolutely hate that. But the thought for me, like, I just want to take you inside, like, how this is. When training camp starts, July 25th is when the Bears, Chicago Bears team I cover for ESPN.com, 
that's when they report. Most teams are right around that same week. It's about 25 weeks straight till the end of the season before you're like, okay, I can actually exhale. And that includes like locker clean out and, you know, all the stuff that you have to deal with on the back end, especially if you have a team that's not going to the postseason, which I did last year. But I'm okay. Maybe I'm in the minority. I'm not like chomping at the bit right now. Like football, I need it. Like I, I'm okay with baseball. I'm okay with the NBA draft coming up. Here in Chicago, we've got the NHL draft, which I know is not like super popular among most people. But Connor Bedard is coming to Chicago, and I'm very much looking forward to that. And I also, I like I like summer weather. I like enjoying it. I, I will be very eager in a couple weeks. But we just ended mini camp yesterday. Can we have a little separation? for like well, one what, or two what, days. One of the stories kind of coming out of these mandatory mini camps, Courtney, and, and this is not a new problem in the NFL, but I feel like it's one that's that's making its way more to the forefront just because Ezekiel Elliott is still a free agent. Dalvin Cook is still out there after being released by the Minnesota Vikings. And there are running backs who are not very happy with the way they are treated by the NFL like One of the better running backs in the NFL. One of the top picks in everybody's fantasy draft this fall is going to be Jonathan Taylor, the Colts running back. And here's what he had to say on the current running back market and his current contract situation. It's sad. It sucks because a lot of positions, a lot of positions do a lot for their team. Um, But specifically speaking for the running back position, um, I can just speak firsthand. We do do a lot. So, you know, just seeing guys fight. You just hope that things work out for them. I mean, you see why guys, they, they request trades, they, they want, you know, they just want to feel valued by not only their coaches, their teammates, but the organization as well. Have any reason for optimism that something could get worked out with you before this season starts? Hopefully, uh, we definitely have, have approached uh, just hopefully that they can see the value and, you know, you will see where things goes, but, you know, it kinda, it's kind of on them right now, but, you know, we'll continue to work each and every single day. There is no position, Courtney, in the NFL that gets beat up quite like running backs. And teams are more than, ha- more than willing to draft a running back, let them play out their contract, and then move on and draft another one. And it's almost like, as a fan, when your team drafts a running back in the first round, you almost cringe. You're like, oh, you can find a running back anywhere. How many great running backs in the NFL have been second, third, fourth, even fifth round picks? And yet, it's probably the worst thing for you if you are a running back to be a first round pick because you have the fifth-year option, you can't get to free agency, and really the one bite of the apple that you get in terms of trying to get a big-time contract. And Jonathan Taylor got hurt last year. So like when you think about the potential earnings and what that could mean down the line, teams look at the wear and tear at this position, and that's why it feels so expendable, because nobody takes more hits to their body and puts themselves at a bigger risk than the running back. And I think that was the case with Dalvin Cook. I think it's been the case with Ezekiel Elliott and why both of them, as of the moment, are still waiting to sign. And and Dalvin Cook, you know, is an explosive player. He's a three-down back. He can give you a lot of things, and not just running the ball, like pass protection, catching passes out of the backfield, being the check-down option. He's he's tremendous. But the price in which these guys – got paid the like 2017 draft class, Alvin Kamara's contract, Christian McCaffrey's contract. I know he wasn't 2017, but like, you know, so the, the, those two are anomalies. We will never probably see that 
you know, those sorts of salaries again. But even Dalvin Cook and the big extension he got from Minnesota, and then they release him three years after signing the the mega contract with, you know, a super lot of guarantees. Like, you read between the lines. All they want is the guaranteed money in this, and that, and that does matter. But can they get to a place where it's – as high as it once was. I don't think so. Miles Sanders just came off a career year for himself with the Philadelphia Eagles and helping that team get to the Super Bowl. He got, he's making like $6.25 million on an average annual basis going forward. And he signed with a different team, David Montgomery. I mean, there's mitigating circumstances Like the bears wanted to keep him around and their offer was similar to the like 6 million. He's getting a year to play with the Detroit lions. I think if you haven't signed at this point, you can't expect, like, oh, man, if Dalvin Cook waits, if Ezekiel Elliott waits, there's going to be suitors who come clamoring with, you know, double-digit salaries, you know, double-digit uh, millions per year on an average annual value. I don't see that happening. So it's a position that's been devalued, and I can understand the frustrations that you heard there from Jonathan Taylor because if you play this position, you've got maybe the chance to get, like, one really nice sizable mm-hmm. contract and then you're making you're still making good money like comparatively speaking to other positions and other you know other jobs but it's never going to be what it once was and and I don't see that changing no either do I because teams I think are they just take a look at it from a, a, a pro- value proposition standpoint when you find a really good quarterback. You know, when, you, when you're the Kansas City Chiefs and you're giving $500 million contracts to your quarterback and Patrick Mahomes, you're not going to be spending a lot of money on a running back. You're just not. You know, and, and teams that have spent money on their running back, that means they have less money to spend on what have become more important positions in the NFL. Think about some of those leading. I mean, think about Ezekiel Elliott and, and Delvin Cook. Those teams haven't had a ton of success. As good as Derrick Henry has been and as fun as he is to watch for the Tennessee Titans. They haven't had a ton of success because they haven't had the right quarterback. Mm-hmm. It's a passing league, and the more that the, the passing game plays a bigger factor into everything, even though the money is going up in terms of the salary cap because of the TV deals and all those things, teams are just going to keep spending less and less and less on those running back positions. Yeah, they are, and I don't see it changing. The market right now, the market value from where it's at is not going to get any more lucrative. And... It's not to say that, like, of course, it's a passing league, but you need a running game. You need Mm -hmm. the complementary piece so the load isn't all on your quarterback. Like, take it the example that I deal with on a daily basis with the Chicago Bears. They don't want Justin Fields to be rushing for 1,100 yards a season. Like, what he did last year and being 60 yards shy of Lamar Jackson's quarterback rushing record in a single season, that's great, but that's not sustainable. So that's why they went out and got a very complimentary backfield where you have Deontay Foreman, Khalil Herbert, and Roshan Johnson. And I remember asking, you know, talking with Khalil Herbert about this, you know, does does the pressure of other guys that the team signed in free agency or brought in via the draft, does that, you know, what does it do for you? Most guys know that teams want to go running back by committee so few times. And this is bringing up kind of the Saquon Barkley situation where he – wants to be respected and valued. Like when he said read between the lines, when he's talking about the guaranteed money on contracts, he is the face of that team and the offense runs through him. He has a point to make that others do not, but you don't see many teams that are built like that anymore. A lot of teams go running back by committee because it is much easier to 
replace and add than it is to have somebody who's the focal point that you're loading a ton of money into who's more susceptible to injury than other positions. Yeah, I would say the Buffalo Bills very similar to what they are. I mean, a higher level than the Chicago Bears, but they, they're probably looking for a running back because even though Josh Allen is a tank, they don't want him taking all those unnecessary hits because they need him to be healthy, especially late in the year when they're taking on those best teams in the AFC. Coming up next on Canty and Carlin, can Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears go from worst to first in the NFC North? That Plus, we'll look at some other young quarterbacks across the NFL. On Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio in the ESPN app. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. This is the first time in a while I haven't been learning a new offense, so that feels good having that and being able to focus on little parts of my game. And the season last year is what we got to see to start the season, right? And just just continue that progression with him. And he's on the right track. He's doing everything that we've asked him to do. He's again a, a young player on our team. He's the key to the, the offense and makes it work. Not having that stress of just learning the playbook, I can just really focus on my my game and my mechanics. Can't see Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel eighty. She's Courtney Cronin. I'm Gabe Nigel hanging out with you this afternoon. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And Canty and Carlin also brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Going to play a little fun game here, Courtney, where we welcome in our producer, Shannon Penn, Mm -hmm. uh, where you've got a list of some quarterbacks in front of you, Shannon, and we have to give our confidence on their ability to lead their team to a division championship. Is that correct? Yeah, I wanted to look at some of the young guys, young and starting quarterbacks in NFL, and I wanted you to tell me 1-0, to zero, 1 being low, 10 being the most, your confidence level, whether or not these quarterbacks can lead their respective teams to a division title. Sounds good? Okay. Sounds Let's great. Let's do it. All right, cool. Courtney, I'll start with you. Trevor Lawrence, confidence that he can lead the Jags to the AFC South title. 1-0. to zero. Which got, what, what do you have? 
One to zero. I mean, excuse me, one to ten. Wow. I'm hey, sorry. Look, it's, it's, well, it's say, this is a binary it's game, and now it's just one or zero. I'm sorry. That, that does, That's actually yeah. one or zero is a really game fun yet. game to play. It's kind of like a hot or not, but we don't have to play that on this show. One to um, ten. One to ten. Give him a solid nine. I mean, remember what this team did in the postseason last year and not their final game where they got the doors blown off, but he got them into the postseason. They're going to win the AFC South again this year because the rest of the division features some uncertainty at quarterback of, and with the Tennessee Titans, how long Ryan Tannehill is going to be playing until Will Levis takes over. And then the Houston Texans are still a year or two away, even though they got C.J. Stroud. And I'm not really confident that the Indianapolis Colts are all of a sudden going to have it figured out with Anthony Richardson. So it's the byproduct of the division, and it's the fact that Trevor Lawrence – I don't want to use the word generational talent, but let's see him do it again this year. I think he can do it. Yeah, I'm a 10 on Trevor Lawrence. I'm going all the way up to 10 because the fact that he's got a very good coach behind him, we saw it took about a half of a season for him to kind of get rid of everything that had happened the year before, get really comfortable with Doug Peterson as his head coach, and they rolled the second half of the season. I'm expecting that confidence just to grow exponentially and continue to go for Trevor Lawrence. I'm at a 10. Jaguars are winning that division. All right, Gabe, let's stick with quarterbacks who went number one overall. Bryce Young in the Panthers, 1-10, to conference level that Bryce can lead the Panthers to the NFC South title. Now, it's, it's a division that's not very good and has a lot of question marks up and down it, but the Panthers, even though they traded up for it, they had a top pick for a reason. They're, they're in that position for a reason. I'm not even sure if they're going to end up starting him right away. I'll give him a three. Maybe everything falls into place, but it just doesn't seem very likely that Bryce Young is going to jump into the league with a roster that's a little depleted, especially after they traded away their best wide receiver to get that number one pick for them to go and and be that number one team in the NFC South. I'm a little different on this. Uh, What number did you give it again? Three. Three? I'll go ahead and say five because I think the Saints win the division here. Doesn't feel like that's really like a bold take, but – Remember, the Panthers were one game away from winning the NFC South last year. And when you take a look at the other divisions, like who's going to get two teams out of the out of the NFC, I don't think it'll be the NFC North. I think it'll end up being the NFC West, the NFC East, and then the NFC South. So you have six teams there, seven in the playoffs. It very well could be the Carolina Panthers as a wildcard team because remember, yeah, they did lose DJ Moore. That's a, that's a big loss, but they still have a really good young core around this team. Terrace Marshall, young receiver who could very well take the next step this year. On the defensive side, Brian Burns, Jeremy Chin, J.C. Horn. And I know Horn's got the ankle injury right now, but I like this Carolina team. I really do, and they wouldn't have named Bryce Young the starter Right now, the QB1 stuff that came out last week, if they didn't think he was ready, they would have done the same song and dance of, oh, we got to go into training camp, Andy Dalton, until Bryce Young's ready, the way that, at least it looks right now, they're doing it in Tennessee and a few other places. I'll give him a solid six. I like it. All right, let's let's move ahead to Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy with San Francisco. We know he's dealing with the injury right now. But, Courtney, 1-10, to 10, confidence that Brock Purdy can lead the Niners to the NFC West title. Oh, I don't uh, – that's tough because I am concerned about the injury. Do we know when he's going to – it's going to be Sam Darnold probably starting the season? Probably. Probably? 
I, they're very hush hush about it. They every once in a while you hear, oh, they're confident that he might be ready. Also, Trey really Lance confidence. is still on this roster. Like, does he kind of count or doing Bryce Brock Purdy slash Trey Lance? Yeah. Yeah. Whoever, okay. I guess for I think me, Shannon's whoever... making, I think Shannon, okay, we're not making that change. No. Nope. Sorry. Rock. It's only Rock. Brock Purdy. I can't, it's not my game. I can't create the rules, nope. apparently. No, he's got to I usually have veto power on a lot of things. Not on this show, though. Apparently not. Um, Shannon's okay. exercising the power. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. It's, you know, Shannon's the boss. Um, confidence level in the NFC West. Well, we know that the Cardinals are not going to be a playoff team. That's fine. Geno Smith did some really good things with this San, with that uh, Seattle team to get them into the postseason for their, the first time in a while. And I don't know if I put them above where I project the San Francisco 49ers to be. I just don't know with the health of Brock Purdy. Put it yeah, at a six. A six is probably like my safe bet because it's a step above a five. It is yeah. one more than five. Um, so it's not like a 50% chance, more like a... 57% chance that they get to the playoffs. I just don't know how healthy it's going to be. If this was a question just basically on the 49ers, I'm at a 9 that the 49ers win the West. It's an incredibly talented roster, and they've shown that if they have a semi-competent quarterback, they're still going to be a really good team. I don't know if that quarterback is going to be Brock Purdy. I mean, if he's out, maybe Trey Lance sneaks back in there. Sam Darnold looks okay within this offense. So I'm with you. I'm at a six that it ends up being Brock Purdy as the quarterback that leads the 49ers to the NFC West. You know who's a quarterback in year three or younger? Trey Lance, just just saying. I mean, he was eligible. It wasn't like he was like year four, year five. He was eligible. All right, one one more here. Uh, Let's go. Traitlin, no, I'm kidding. Uh, let's go Justin <laughs> Justin Fields, Gabe. Justin Fields, which is a confidence level that Justin Fields can lead the Bears to the NFC North title. As a Packers fan, I feel the Bears have been making a lot of smart decisions with everything that they've been doing, which scares me. I still think that they're working their way towards it. So I'm at like a four here, and that's basically just because the NFC North seems to be one of the weaker divisions in football this year. There's a lot of question marks with all four of those teams. I have a hard time believing it's the Bears who end up winning that division, but I like the young talent that they've put around Justin Fields. They're giving him every chance to succeed. They're giving him weapons on the outside. They're they're going to be an interesting team to watch. I just don't think they're going to be division contenders this year. I don't either, and yes, I am a little closer to this because I cover this team for ESPN.com. I said this this morning. I was doing a podcast about like the Vegas over-under prediction, which is seven and a half, like win total. I think the floor for this team should be seven wins. It, re- it really should. The ceiling, I think, is probably nine at the most. And I'd be comfortable saying this is an eight and nine team. It, if you see that sort of growth from a team that was three and 14 last year and, can, and was, you know, down to the very wire, and then it was a Houston Texans like crazy last second win that got them the number one overall pick. If they can make improvement for like that, going from three to seven or eight wins, that's huge, and that it's shows you jump. that the plan is working. They are not a confident. I will go ahead and I will go two on on that leading this, this team to the playoffs because the team's not built for the playoffs this year. They're a year away. Coming up next, do you look at MJ any differently? after what happened on the court with the Charlotte Hornets now that he has sold his interest in the team. We dive into that. A couple other stories, three and out. It's next. Canty Carlin, ESPN Radio, in the ESPN app. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. 
and boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Time to earn some cash. The taste of money, the smell of wealth. Canty and Carlin's best play of the night. The taste of money. When it comes to putting together a play of the night, I am out over, this is beyond my depth. I, I don't know how you feel. I'm Gabe Knights along with Courtney Cronin as we fill in on Canty and Carlin ESPN Radio ESPN app. I'm assuming you're the same way, right, Hell Courtney? no, I never do play of the night. Yeah, they know no, not just... to trust me to give people <laughs> advice on, like, any sort of betting. Like the one thing I could do would be like some NBA plays. I give a lot of fantasy advice in season, but <laughs> as I've been warned about, it's 83 days away from kickoff. So <laughs> until then, I'm out of commission. I think right, Eric's so got it for us. Tonight. Exactly. This is where we lean on Eric Handman to give us the great play of the night. Stop it! <laughs> you guys are the worst. Like you're, you're triggering me right now. Is that what it's you want? Friday. Do this you want me to come back be... and do the show next week? <laughs> of course we do. Good vibes on Fridays. Courtney's yelling at everyone now. Yeah, I'm snapping at Canty. I'm snapping at Eric. I'm, who's next? Thank God we're off in a couple of minutes because I'd probably be a snap at Joe and Amber too. Anyways, sorry. All right, play of the night here. It's going to be a uh, a menage of different games we're going to go to here. Uh, but first, tune into an AL East rivalry Sunday as the Red Sox host the Yankees. Coverage of Sunday Night Baseball begins at 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, and at 7 p.m. on ESPN. He was so nervous before that read, guys, too. Like, he practiced. He went over it. <laughs> it's a great read. You did a great job. Nailed Half the time, I don't even read it verbatim, and I just kind of, like, riff on it a little bit. So at least you got it down to a T. Well, you know, 
Shannon's got the screen right there for me. It's in a perfect you know, reading vantage is, point. Reading you know. is fundamental. But uh, that's where I'm starting. I'm starting with the game one of this series, Yankees and Red Sox tonight. I'm going to take the Yankees money line, uh, Domingo Herman versus Tanner Houck. So I'll go with the Yankees on the money line, even though it's at Fenway. I'm going to parlay it with Sandy Alcantara over four and a half, four and a half strikeouts tonight. Uh, JP France over five and a half strikeouts tonight for the Houston Astros against the Reds. And then tonight, there's professional fighter leagues action on ESPN starting at 10 p.m. The heavyweight main event, Ante Delia. I have him beating Mo Green. And then tomorrow night, UFC main event on ESPN also at 10 p.m. Marvin Vittori beating Jared Cannonier is my pick. That's plus 1,438. You put $10 on that, and you'll win about $154. So that's my play of the night. There you go. A little bit of money. Big time profit. Thank you to Eric. Let's go ahead and get to three and out. Sometimes it's the worst. Sometimes it's the best. Best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is three and out. One of the stories that we didn't really talk about in the NBA today, Courtney, includes Michael Jordan as he has agreed to sell um, a stake in the Hornets for a $3 billion evaluation. He paid $275 million for a majority stake back in 2010. Once the sale is complete, Jordan is still going to keep a minority stake and maintain a presence with the franchise, and he was the league's only black majority owner. But the Hornets went 418 and 600 in Jordan's 11 plus years as the franchise's main owner. Do you look at MJ any differently because of the success he had as a player and really the the lack of success he had first as an executive and now as an owner just after we went through the the record of the Hornets during his time there. Again, I think I've got some bias here. I'm from Chicago. I watched him growing up. I don't look I, I can separate Michael Jordan the player and like, you know, prime Michael Jordan, not Washington Wizards Michael Jordan, but that version from anything else he's done outside of the Bulls. The problem with Michael Jordan and the Charlotte Hornets are the fact that like he was never able to get free agents there. He's the face of the NBA for a long time. Obviously it's LeBron now, but like he was never able to get big time free agents to create like their own super team or even like a team that, you know, has a better for- per winning percentage than 407 and he was there for 13 years. So I, I'm curious to see what this team does next, like how they're going to try to get back to the playoffs. They've got LaMelo Ball there. They have the number two overall pick in next week's NBA draft. But Michael Jordan made out a winner, like he always does. That $3 billion that he sold the team for, he made quite a profit. Yeah, that's. I feel that's what we always focus on with every other owner who sells a team in professional sports. So that's what I'm going to focus on is Michael Jordan wins again because that is an unbelievable return on your investment 13 years later. Speaking of owners, I had no idea that the Albany Empire were owned by Antonio Brown, but they've been kicked out of the Arena League, Courtney. Apparently he had a fine he didn't pay or some sort of league due he never paid, which is not shocking to anyone. Water is wet, Gabe. (laughs) Who let him own a team? Oh my... Did we have to bring up Antonio Brown? I wanted to have a good weekend. I'm sorry. I hope you do have a good weekend. I'm going to have a great weekend. All right. That's going to be great. Joe and Amber coming up next. ESPN Radio, ESPN app. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. 
Canty and Carlin, the podcast.